Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish Podcast for Independent Minds. Question, if Vladimir Putin fires nuclear weapons to escape defeat in his war on Ukraine... How should the United States respond? Thanks to that question, the prospect of nuclear war is now being weighed as seriously as any time since the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. But the thinking among government officials has veered in a surprising direction, which would have been viewed as heretical and dangerous just a few years ago. The words of my guest, Fred Kaplan, a New York Times best-selling author, his latest book, The Bomb, He's a Pulitzer Prize winner as well and wrote a piece for Slate that is posted at Smirconish.com. It was in this morning's newsletter and is in all of my social media right now. Great to have on the program Fred Kaplan. Mr. Kaplan, thanks so much for being here. So this is something that has been in development, this change in thinking preceding what's taking place vis-a-vis Russia and Ukraine today. What's the short history? Right. Toward the end of the Obama administration, there was intelligence that the Russians had adopted a new military doctrine called escalate to de-escalate. If they were losing a conventional war, they might shoot off a couple of low-yield nuclear weapons to shock us into going to the negotiating tables and ending the war. So there was a war game played in the National Security Council to test our response to this. And so they played the game. There was a war, a NATO war in the Baltics. The Russians are losing. They fire a low-yield nuclear weapon. So what do we do? And it started, some generals, uh, you know, talked about, well, where should we respond with a nuclear weapon? What's the target? And then somebody in the room, a guy named Colin Call, who is Vice President Biden's National Security Advisor, who is now the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, said, wait, you guys are not looking at this the right way. If the Russians use nuclear weapons, we can isolate them all over the world. They will be pariahs, uh, and we can still continue to fight on with conventional weapons. What would we even do with nuclear weapons? Where would we fire them? And uh, the, the deputies committee of the National Security Council said, yeah, let's just fight on with conventional weapons. The principals, the cabinet secretaries, they didn't like this idea at all. They were, no, no, we have to use nuclear, otherwise our credibility will be lost, NATO will, will, will splinter. Uh, 
and and they left it at that. Uh, they didn't play, you know, play number two or three in this nuclear war game. What happens next? And so it's an unresolved issue, and yet the people who are in the deputies committee are now some of them senior officials in the Obama in the Biden administration, and there is serious thinking about responding again to a small low-level nuclear attack, not on NATO countries, not on the United States, but within Ukraine, not with nuclear weapons, but with conventional weapons at which we, I mean, let's put it this way. If Russia uses nuclear weapons and we don't respond with nuclear weapons, one way we will respond, I'm convinced, is to get completely into the war. NATO has restrained from getting involved directly in this war. That will be over. And I think that given given the preponderance of NATO and U.S. air power, uh, probably the Russian army in Ukraine could be wiped out in very short order. In other uh, words, the mindset. Happens, the, I don't know. I was just going the mindset. The mindset before it was it was Avril Haines, right? According to yeah. your reporting, Obama's deputy national security advisor, who wanted to test right. the theory, the Russian theory. How are we going to respond to this? But up until that time. The mindset had been one of, if the Russians ever go nuclear, we will respond in kind, meaning we too would use nukes, tit for tat. going even beyond that. You know, the United States still has a policy that if a NATO country, uh, if if an ally, is attacked just with conventional weapons and we can't put up a conventional defense, we, we reserve the right to use nuclear weapons first. Uh, no president, some presidents have debated whether to declare a no first use policy. They've never done it. And so now here is a, a, a war game in which at least some officials decided that under certain circumstances, we wouldn't even use a nuclear weapon second because there, would, there wouldn't be any need to. And there was no guarantee that it would bring the war to a quicker end anyway. Tell me if I'm understanding this correctly. It sounds like in the war game scenarios that you're discussing, when nukes are introduced by Russia, it matters not whether the target was NATO affiliated. Is that fair? No, no. If if, if the target is NATO affiliated, that's a different thing entirely. Uh, I I think uh, my guess is that there would be a tremendous pressure to respond with nuclear weapons. So... The first war game, and I I know they're continually running war games, and this was a subject that came up, I I guess, in the Jake Tapper interview with the president just a couple of nights ago, where he said, I didn't have to tell them to to war game it out. But in those that you've reported on, there's first the Avril Haines conversation. That's the one where Colin Call, the vice president's then national security advisor, raises his hand and said, hey, you're, you're missing the big picture here. This is an opportunity to isolate Russia. And now the principles meeting takes place a month later. Could you speak in more detail about that the way that you did in the Slate essay? Yeah, well, well, somebody raised the issue again, same same issue, not knowing what what had happened in the deputies. And the Secretary of Defense and several other officials said, no, this would be outrageous. We have to respond to nuclear with nuclear. Otherwise, our credibility is shot. You might as well disband NATO. You might as well and so they all agreed with that. But then the question remained, and this is interesting, uh, well, where do, we, where do we fire this nuclear weapon in response? Should we do it to Leningrad? Well, no, that's part of Russia. That would be an escalation. They might attack the United States. 
Or should we should we uh, attack it? Should we target in the Baltics? Well, no. Then Baltic civilians would die, and so they they picked some inconsequential target in Belarus, which wasn't even part of the war in this game. And then they called. Then that was it. It was the end. <laughs> they didn't go beyond. Well, then what might Russia do? And then what should we do? And then what will Russia do? You know, here's you know the thing is that. You know, thank God, in, in all these decades since Hiroshima, nobody has used nuclear weapons. And the kind of war games that have been played out in which nuclear weapons are contemplated, they don't go too many moves out because nobody has the slightest idea what will happen. You know, there are a lot of books written in the 60s especially where, you know, they talked about 38 steps of escalation. And the assumption was that the president and the Soviet premier were like chess masters looking over a board and, and putting forth castles and bishops and queens. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a lot more confusing than that. Fred There's Kaplan, no can I can I interrupt you? Because I'm getting, I'm getting interference on your line, and this is such an important conversation. I'll take a break. This is too important a conversation, and I'm loving my guest. His book is called <laughs> The Bomb. Presidents, Generals, and the Secret History of Nuclear War. The author is Fred Kaplan, and we'll come back in a moment with him. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. My guest is Fred Kaplan. His book, The Bomb, 
Presidents, Generals, and the Secret History of Nuclear War, an essay that he penned for Slate is terrific, a nice encapsulation that you can read at Smirconish.com. It's in all my social media right now. He's been explaining that for a long time, it's always been assumed that with no dissension, if Russia or some other enemy used nuclear weapons against an allied country, we would respond with nuclear weapons too. A couple of years ago, we become, we the Americans become aware of a new Russian military doctrine, escalate to de-escalate. The idea was that if Russia was losing a war against NATO, Russia would fire a small number of low-yield nuclear weapons either to stave off the Western armies or to simply send a shock. This caused some war gaming on our side of the fence, first by deputies and then by principals. And therein lies the debate about what do you do if there is such a Russian use of nuclear weapons? And Fred, what I wanted to ask is this. Uh, this has been in a, a, a low yield nuclear weapon scenario. God forbid, what if Putin were to unleash a nuke on Kiev or Lviv? What's the policy then? Well, I mean, again, there is no policy. I mean, nobody has declared something. Uh, You know, one thing that needs to be kept in mind, all of these games, all of these policies, all of these doctrines are chiefly for deterrence. I mean, what is the reason that NATO has not and the U.S. have not directly got involved in this war? It's it's because the fear that if we did uh, or if targets in Moscow and Russia started getting hit, that Russia might respond with nuclear weapons. Why is it that, um, you know, Russia might not fire a nuclear weapon, even though, um, even though Putin is threatening to do that? Because he might fear that the U.S. would respond with nuclear weapons. Now, it's been reported that Putin doesn't believe <clears throat> that we would use nuclear weapons to save Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Uh, and maybe he's right. But that's why we're showing him that, okay, look, we're going to just fire back with conventional weapons and we can completely obliterate your army. You should be able to see this with what's going on now with the Ukrainian army fighting with, with, with Western-provided weapons and intelligence. They're, 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 they have you in a rout. Imagine what would happen if U.S. planes and troops started coming in. So. We're trying to say, okay, maybe our nuclear response, maybe you won't believe that we'll use, you know, part of deterrence is capability and will, you know, you're demonstrating the will to use these things. Okay, maybe we won't use them, but we can wipe you out even without them. I mean, that's, and so how this plays out in deterrence, you know, even since the beginning of the nuclear arms race, you know, when we had, you know, you blow up us, you blow us up, we'll blow you up, uh, there have always been questions would we really, if New York were bombed, would, would we really bomb back Moscow? Is there any point to this? But that, <clears throat> the issue has been it's deterrence. It's the fear of the involved in the threat and who wants to take that kind of chances. Once the Rubicon is passed, once somebody actually uses one of these things, uh, and, and this is what Biden, whose remarks the other night were over, I think misunderstood. This is what he was saying. He was telling Putin, you know, a limited nuclear war might not stay nu- uh, might not stay limited. There's a good chance it could, could escalate all the way up to all-out war. That was sending Putin a message that don't think you've got this situation under control. Don't you think? Don't think that this escalate to de-escalate is just going to be a one-off. And, and you know, let's say they do that, and the idea of that 
doctrine is that we back off, that we say, oh, no, we better bring this war to a halt because otherwise it could escalate. Well, are the Ukrainians going to keep it? Are they going to stop fighting? I don't think so. Uh, are we really going to just stop? Maybe not. So that's a terrible risk. And it, it, I guess, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that the very existence of nuclear weapons uh, creates these, these uh, dynamics toward catastrophe of, of, of any of them were, were ever used, which is one reason why they, they haven't been used. I, I have you know, two questions, a naive question and a practical question. The naive question mm-hmm. is this. What is the advantage, if I'm Putin, of using a nuclear weapon other than shock value? In other words, what is a yeah. nuclear weapon able to do on a limited basis that some conventional yeah. warcraft cannot do? Uh there isn't much of one. I mean, basically what he could do, he could wipe out like an entire concentration of troops or maybe uh, some, some inst- military installation. Uh, but, yeah, no, the, 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 the real reason would be to, to bring it to an end. And, and uh, yeah, this, you know, that's the other thing. Weapons now, especially the ones we have, not so much Russians are running out of their precision-guided munitions, as they're called, uh, it used to be if you wanted to fire, you to hit something thousands of miles away, uh, you needed a nuclear weapon because it wasn't going to be very accurate, and so you needed a big blast area. Uh, you'd kill it, you'd destroy a lot of things, but you would also destroy the target you're aiming at. Weapons are now so accurate, I mean, really within a matter of a few feet. Uh, for a lot of these things, you don't need nuclear weapons. You can aim a, a conventional weapon and 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 damage exactly what you want to damage and not damage all the stuff around it. So in from in terms of a war fighting weapon, uh yeah, they they really they have almost no no purpose. No Okay, use. so here's the practical question. You wrote the book, The Bomb: Presidents, Generals and the Secret History of Nuclear War. You've described for us the type of war gaming that is always taking place. I want to know when the president and the war gaming intersect. In other words, these scenarios have been run. The military intelligentsia, they, they have their thoughts. Do you think that right now, behind closed doors, the president, Joe Biden, has been briefed and told, Mr. President, if Putin does X, Y, or Z, here's what we will be recommending, or does that come at the moment, God forbid, that it takes place? Well, you know, under ordinary circumstances, presidents generally don't get involved in this. <laughs> but now, oh yeah, I mean, you, you you could you could bet the house and everything you own that that Biden is very much not only briefed on these, but but probably plays a role in. You know, this is a, an interesting and, and unexpected fact. The only you know every year there are these war games where you know some cabinet member plays the president and some deputy plays the cabinet member. So the only president who has ever actually played himself in one of these games, is Jimmy Carter. Wow. In what scenario? No, just just the annual nuclear war game. He sat in, he played the president. He did it twice. He was shocked when somebody told him that no president had ever done this before. He was also the first president to start doing genuine, no-notice alerts. Of, of nuclear response. In other words, like on a Friday night at 9 o'clock, you know, the word goes out, okay, we're playing the game now, nuclear weapons happen, 
uh, vice president has to get into the helicopter. The secretary of defense has to do this. And he did this several times. So he thought that nuclear weapons were immoral. You know, he thought they were evil. He wanted to do away with them. And yet, uh, as long as they existed, he thought this is the most profound and horrendous thing a president is ever going to do. Uh, he, we should prepare for this. And then again, he was he was shocked to learn that, that no previous, and as far as I know, no subsequent president has done this. But no, right now, when people are, are talking about not just academic or theoretical war games, but, but the possible prospect of the real thing, oh yeah, no, you, you've got to uh, assume the president is involved in this, the vice president is involved in this, uh, these are not uh, the, the, the real people who would be making the decisions and giving advice uh, in real life are, are involved in these. You, you and I, I promise, yeah. I, I promise I'll let you go after this. You and I have talked about different scenarios that involve action of some kind, not mm-hmm. will there be a reaction, but what will our reaction be? There would be a response right of that. You're certain there would have to be some kind of response that would look very different from what we had been doing before. In other words, it, it would, yeah, it wouldn't look like we were just, okay, well, fine, you did that, now we're just going to keep doing the same thing. There would definitely be, again, I, I should emphasize, uh, I don't have any inside information about this. You know, even people who once talked with me are not talking with me now, and that's fine. But, uh, it, 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 I, again, Bet, bet the house and everything else on the fact that, yeah, we would do something that would be very obviously different from what we're doing now. I wish you good things with the book. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Fred Kaplan, ladies and gentlemen, The Bomb, Presidents, Generals, and the Secret History of Nuclear War. All right, now I pose the question to all of you. If Vladimir Putin fires nuclear weapons to escape defeat in his war on Ukraine... How should the United States respond? What should be the response? We're talking in a tactical, right, not an attack on a, on a major city, but some battlefield. Nonetheless, utilization of nukes. What should be the U.S. response? This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. 
I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Welcome back to Los Angeles. The most beautiful radio studios I think I've ever seen. I mean, this facility, I, I, okay, I ran to the men's room during the brief commercial break, truth be told. Uh, damn, it's nice. And it's clean. The, the, whole, <laughs> the whole space is just so sleek. I think that's the word that I would use. And the lighting is nice and it's comfortable. Hey, come on. I mean, TC, TC, you have traveled with me in the past and you know we've seen some grisly radio environments because radio you, hosts are notorious. They, they, they had leave you not their crap used the word behind. Grizzly. Yes. Had you yeah. not used the word grisly, I would have used it too. The other thing you, how you often describe it is the broken window theory. So one uh, host, right? It's like a revolving door, these studios. Right. One host leaves their trash, literally trash around. Yep. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like a dumpster. It's insane. Right. Insane. Sa- Sasha, who is very ably and kindly producing for me today, can tell you i just went and found a trash can to take my trash of my muffin and my coffee and my notes and i've already thrown them away good job because Michael. i don't want to because i don't want to be a part of the radio broken windows theory right, it's right. so true all right on more much more serious matters in michigan this is mark mark greetings you heard my conversation with fred kaplan and you were thinking what the world's crazy no one's going to win a nuclear war. It's just going to keep escalating and escalating. Even Putin says no one can win a nuclear war. I mean, if he uses a nuke, we should definitely not be using nukes. I mean, we should do exactly what the that security uh, person said, which was, you know, treat them like a pariah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, mean, okay. But wait, it's day, one thing. If yeah, we launch a nuke. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's one thing to treat like a pariah, but would you say there needs to be a military response, just not a nuclear military response? Absolutely. That's why we have okay. you know, okay. the, the United Nations. That's why we have the you know uh, this group of countries that can all go and do a military response. We should be using the UN more than anything else. And it just seems like we're inept to do anything and it's like one one bully says hey you know i might use nukes and they're like oh well we're going to use nukes well then what stops india china all the other countries france to use nukes to to start nuking whoever they feel like they want okay. to nuke and then, i have i have a scenario for you i have a scenario for you so uh, a russian ship is in the baltic sea and from that ship is fired a nuclear weapon not at a city but in some battlefield usage and it's a nuke and we can prove it is the united states is nato is the un is someone taking out that ship from which it came 
Yeah, I mean, we should we yes. should definitely be taking out that ship, but we should okay. not be starting to think, you know, hey, we need to nuke it. Right. I no, mean, no. What it, you've it said, what you've said, where... what you've said makes sense to me. I, I mean, I think that's the response. I'm no expert. This is this is really tough. And thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Really tough stuff. But I, I would say the ship gets taken out with conventional weapons and probably more than the ship gets taken out, but not with a nuclear weapon. God forbid it's it's an attack on a city. Different answer. Ethan, Chicago, thank you for your phone call. What did you want to offer? Yeah, I wrote my senior thesis on just this theory of rising competing ideologies again. And in this fight right now, I feel like liberalism against autocracy has the upper hand. Liberalism does. And for that reason, Putin would be using a tactical nuclear weapon from a position of weakness, which dictates that we should fight the battle now rather than waiting a long time down the road. So if he should use a weapon, absolutely there needs to be a military response. I don't know if it's a nuclear military response, but just wanted to say that, you know, we're better off pushing the chips in now than we are letting this become a much bigger problem down the line. Okay, we're we're in agreement we're doing something, right? Nobody's nobody's advocating for for simply rattling our fist and talking about sanctions. There's something militarily that's going to take place. Right. 100%. And I I don't know if that means on Russian soil or more specifically you know, in on Russian troops in Ukraine, but it, it needs to be a severe consequence for upping the ante to that level. And to your prior caller's point of the world is crazy, no one wins a nuclear war. Well, part of that theory is contingent upon the second country, the, the first country that was attacked, responding with equal force. And, and Putin has to feel like the West is willing to do that. Right. Good stuff. Ethan, thank you. Appreciate it. Rapid City, South Dakota. This is Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. We're we're discussing Russia as if they're losing the war. Well, they control four regions in Ukraine. They're about to take Lehman. I don't understand how we... Obviously, this is not going smoothly, but I can't say they're losing when they're not using the majority of their military. But your your guest brought up a Russian strategy change. Or if they are, let's just hypothetically say they're losing, and they would yeah. use a nuclear weapon to bring right. everyone to the negotiating table. Right. So we had them at the negotiating table in Turkey in spring, and Boris Johnson told Ukraine to walk away when there was a framework of a deal. Why didn't we just settle for it then? Because Russia has everything right now that would have fallen within the framework of that deal other than Ukraine agreeing to be neutral. Why didn't we just take the deal then? I can't answer that. I don't know that the Russians were ready to take the deal then. To your first point, the best I can offer is this. Given the the inability of Russia to hold territory that they had gained and now don't have, and the projections of what the loss of life and injury i saw a figure yesterday and you know this is i'm just spitballing but 60 to 70,000 russian troops either dead or injured it matters how many dead and how many injured but apparently the casualties have been much much higher than putin has let on that would not surprise i think any of us that's the basis for saying oh, that they're that for quote, a second. right um and i i hear your point that that we shouldn't fall into the narrative so quickly of well they're losing and he's a caged animal Maybe it's meeting some objective that he really set. I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, Mike, thank you. Rapid City, appreciate the telephone call. Zachary is in Georgia. Zach, what are you thinking? Uh, there's a, a problem when you think about wargaming out the situation. So Tell me. if Russia uses a tactical nuclear weapon and the U.S. only responds conventionally, it gives more incentive for Russia to use nuclear weapons again. So they'll only asymmetrically escalate the problem. Okay, therefore, your conclusion to my question of if he fires nuclear weapons to escape defeat in Ukraine, what is our response? You'd say what? To stay with current policy and use uh, nuclear tactical nuclear weapons, at least as a threat. You'd respond in kind. And where where do you envision would it be within within Russian occupied territory in Ukraine, loosely defined, meaning including Crimea, or would you go so far as to use that tactical weapon in Russia? Well, no, to follow this Russian uh, military strategy, you could use tactical nukes against the warship that you were gaming out uh, out in the ocean. Okay, so not a conventional human cost. Yeah. Okay, not a conventional weapon, but a, a nuclear weapon to take out the ship in my hypothetical. Yes. Got it. Thank you, Zach. Remember now from my guest, Fred Kaplan, how this all comes to light. The assumption all along was that we would respond in kind with nuclear weapons. Then in the summer of 2016, it's now the end of the Obama presidency. The intel suggests that Russia has adopted a new military doctrine known as escalate to de-escalate. If Russia was losing a war against NATO, it would fire a small number of low-yield nuclear weapons either to stave off the Western armies or simply to send a shock. The theory was that NATO leaders, fearing further catastrophic escalation, would stop the war and negotiate a peace. Avril Haines, President Obama's deputy national security advisor, wanted to test the theory. So she called a deputies meeting of the National Security Council to play a war game and see whether Russia's new strategy might thwart America's ability to project power in the region. The participants in this strategy session, this war game exercise, included deputy and undersecretaries as well as second-tiered officers on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Here was the scenario. Russia invades one of the Baltic countries. NATO fights back effectively. Russia fires a low-yield nuclear weapon at the NATO troops or at a base in Germany where drones, combat planes, and smart bombs are deployed. The question, what do U.S. decision-makers do now? And what unfolded, as described by my guest and as he tells in greater detail in his book, at first the generals in the room discussed how many nuclear weapons the U.S. should fire back and at what targets. But then Colin Call, then Vice President Joe Biden's national security advisor, raises his hand. In other words, initially everybody's like, okay, we're going nuclear to what extent? But there's a hand in the room, and it's the vice president's national security advisor, and he says, you're missing the big picture. Once Russia drops a nuclear bomb, we face a world-defining moment, an opportunity to rally the entire world against Russia, to isolate, to weaken Moscow politically, economically, and militarily. If we fire back nukes of our own, we forfeit that leverage and, besides, normalize the use of nuclear weapons. So he suggested we should continue to fight, step up the conventional war, which we were winning. 
And then when a month later, so that was the that was the gist of the deputies meeting a month later. Now it's the principals and the principals hear what was decided at the deputies meeting and they don't agree with it. Hence the conversation we're having. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey, gang, thank you for the telephone calls. Thank you for your responsiveness on this. It's it's really an interesting issue. What what would be what should be the response? Uh, God forbid if Putin uses nukes and Fred Kaplan, I thought was a terrific guest on the issue. It is a lightning round. I want to try and get everybody in. So if you're on hold right now, get your thoughts together. Miguel, you're in Fredericksburg, Pennsylvania. What did you most want to say? Hey, Michael, thanks for thanks for taking the time. So I think there's three things that we need to consider here. The first one is that if we continue down the path of using conventional weapons, the problems are going away. It's going to persist. And Russia, Russia has become really good at this. And it began doing this in Syria, as you know. The second aspect that I think is critical to this is the aspect that the U.S. and NATO become obsolete from an influential standpoint. And lastly, Michael, what does that speak to us in terms of humanity and democracy? I think it, the end result is that Putin is doing everything that he can to make those two systems obsolete. All good thoughts. Not an easy answer, Miguel. I appreciate you weighing in. Tom is in South Carolina. Hi, Tom. Hi. Nice to talk to you, Michael. Uh, Thank you. Having been in Russia, their infrastructure is in question from a quality control perspective. Uh, I've been in um, apartment complexes there where they actually steal the control panel out of the elevators. 
So I think with the corruption that they've had throughout history, uh, I think their military is inferior, and I think they'd be scared to death to launch their own nuclear weapon for fear it'd blow up right after launch. But but maybe the reason they would have no choice but to use it, I'm just trying to, to challenge your thinking, is because their military has been inferior. In other words, it, they're, they're suffering from a lot of morale problems and equipment problems if the reports are to be believed, and I think they are. So maybe that's why Putin thinks he has no choice. At least he can drop one nuclear bomb and try and train, change the trajectory because he can't rely on his army. Well, to that point, I think, you know, it's a crapshoot on his part. Yeah, Will no it doubt. Be a successful launch. Well, it's Thank also, you. and thanks, Tom. It also gets back to the question that was posed by yours truly to Admiral Stavridis and by Jake Tapper to President Biden. Is he a rational actor at this point? Frank, you're in Florida. Greetings. Thinking what today? Uh, thank you, Michael, for taking my call. I suspect the following. Um, on TV, I've heard a general say, on a couple of occasions, that they could degrade uh, the Russian forces on the battlefield within 96 hours. And I think that the U.S. and NATO would provide them with a mighty air force that would do just that uh, in response to a tactical weapon. Further, I think that if Putin decided to up the ante and go with another one, uh, his generals would be concerned about uh, opening a nuclear uh, war exchange with NATO, and I think they would just depose that guy and get rid of him. When I hear when I hear someone say, "Well, the the logic is, the wisdom is that we could take out the Russian army in short order." If he were to do this, uh, NATO and the United States, or NATO with the support of the United States could immediately act and 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 crush the Russian army. All I think about is, well, don't worry, we're going to be greeted as liberators in Iraq. Like things never seem to go as simply as they've as they've been sketched out on a pad. Fair? Uh, that's that's fair. And the degrading I'm talking about would probably just be within the Ukrainian uh territory uh area. I don't believe Understood. that they would extend this into Russia. Got it. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, Paul, you are up next. You are in Indy. Hi. Yeah, I'd be curious as to what China's involvement reaction is if Putin does this. But I would say our response would be like for like, with the caveat being only if China gets involved in the tactical mission do we not do that. Wouldn't you think that uh, Anthony Blinken, I mean, the, the, the job of a secretary of state, at this point is to already be having the conversation with the Chinese and and to take their pulse and to know if Putin does X, we're contemplating Y. We want to know what you'll be doing. I would I would hope I would so. so. Yeah, I would think so. And it seems like the Chinese posturing of late um, seems to appear that that dialogue may be happening. Right. They seem to be stepping back. Right. They seem to be stepping back. Not so much the Saudis. Uh as we've discussed recently. Hi, Gordon, you're in Maryland. Thinking what today? Hey, Michael, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm going to throw a book club book at you. Ken Follett's new one called uh, Never. This has already been run through it in his new book. And um, just to give you a quick one, a quick, one little little tidbit of it, it's, uh, it's not, a destroy, not a destroyer, a ballistic uh, cruiser that gets blown up. It's actually a, an aircraft carrier. So uh, I... Uh, in other I words, it's, it's, it's this... Phenomenal. It's this, Follett's book is right on this scenario. Bottle on 100%. 
Okay. I'm going to yeah, check it out. Did it, did it just come out? It just came out. Yeah, it's called Never. Okay, nice. I'm, I'm going to look into it, and I appreciate the tip. TC, write that down. Ken Follett, Never. Got Sounds it. like it's right in my wheelhouse. Sounds good. John, Chicago. Hello. Good morning, Michael. Um, I will not pretend to understand the the tactical weapons and what would be proportionate. And my comment may sound grossly naive, but it would be this. At that point in my mind, we focus on regime change. Every clandestine asset that we and every other sane country in the world has at their disposal, our task for the survival of the world at that point is to eliminate Putin from the stage. Interesting. So my guest who you heard, and thank you, John, uh, Fred Kaplan, concludes his Slate essay, which I really want you to read as follows. He says, the Ukraine war, and again, I've already described for you these war game scenarios. The Ukraine war is affirming another lesson from the Obama NSC war game, that nuclear weapons have little, if any, utility on the battlefield. In both the game and real life, U.S. nukes would have no suitable targets, might not end the war, in fact, might escalate it further, and aren't necessary. The job could be done with conventional military power. Nukes can deter a foe from launching nuclear weapons or from intervening in a war at all. Putin's arsenal, after all, is the only reason NATO has not sent its own troops into Ukraine. But once the nuclear threshold is crossed, all bets are off. What happens after the first nuclear exchange? Which side has more leverage? Who wins? Who loses? Or what those words all mean? Nobody knows. For all the sophisticated tomes and essays written over the decades on nuclear war fighting and escalation management, it's all an impenetrable fog. That lack of clarity makes planning a rational military strategy around nuclear weapons difficult and maybe outright impossible. Of course, it's one thing for me to say this or for senior U.S. officials to believe it, if in fact they do believe it. It's another thing for Putin to believe, and it's not clear what Putin believes these days. Nobody has been crazy enough to drop a nuclear bomb since 1945. The question is just how crazy is Putin? John, New York, quick thought. Hi. Yeah, definitely. So to your last point, I think, I think the folly in any war game is that you have to play both sides of the coin. Uh, and we have to assume that, that the adversary is a rational actor. Putin has proved time and again that he's not a rational actor. If he uses a tactical nuclear weapon, it won't be for a tactical means. It'll be for self-preservation because he feels he's on death ground. So the last thing at that moment that we should be doing, it would be do anything that would further galvanize the Russian people around, around Putin and around his authority. And we should use the other levers of uh, diplomacy and economic and other military power to further drive a wedge between Putin and the Russian people. No nukes is what I'm, Jackson Brown is what I'm hearing from you. No nukes unless unless it rises to a strategic use of nuclear weapons, at which point the U.S. has to think about our own self-preservation, and then at that point it would warrant a nuclear response. But at the tactical level, uh, especially not, not in pursuit of a tactical objective. Thank you. No. Thank you, John. I'm, I'm, I'm running to get one more John in under the wire. It's taken an hour. But here you are, someone finally to say we should do nothing. You mean nothing at all? Is it you talking to me, John? Texas? Yes, sir. 
Yeah, real quick. Yeah, Go we ahead. Do not, yeah, listen, a, a tackler nuclear weapon sounds scary, and we should they yep. shouldn't use it, but they can determine the yield. So the yield could be very, very tiny. It could blow up something the size of a block. And, yes, there is fallout, but it wouldn't be Chernobyl level. Yeah, we should do absolutely nothing. We should not increase this war any more than it is. We should go to get uh, Zelensky to get to the table and end this thing now, because all we're doing is running a proxy war, and every proxy war in the history of my lifetime, including the one I served in, never ended well. Well done, John. I'm so glad that perspective was represented on the program. Great calls this hour. Whoo! Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.